Welcome to Salty Investors episode. I don't even know. It's been that many. I think it might be nine. Is it, Tim? Yeah. How are you doing this week? Better than I deserve. Better than you deserve. <laughs> well, I bet you it's not better than I deserve. <laughs> uh, so let's kick off as usual with the salt for this week. Um, what's what do you got for us? Um, basically, I invested a little um, loan business that loans paid our loan business and mm. put you know a couple of thousand dollars in and you know just see how it goes and then signed up digitally and try to withdraw my money and they get me to sign up for a holy performs oh, you know. To, yeah. To manually put it in. Um, yep. The old thing about the exits, you know, you can sign up quite quickly, but <laughs> the old exits are very crowded when it when you go to exit out of these things. So yeah, it's always the way, isn't it? Easy to get in, much harder to get out. It's like a digital subscription to a uh, newspaper. You ever tried to end your subscription? You've got <laughs> no. to. I mean, you need to be a, like a detective to find out where you actually have to unsubscribe. You know, uh, if you. Like this is this is true. If you want to unsubscribe from a subscription from um, the Australian or the Sun, you know, a Murdoch paper, basic, you have to call up. There's no way to do it. You can't do it online. You have to call them. You have to call them, and of course, like, and I kept doing this. They they um, say to you, um, "Oh, would you like to extend? Um, we'll give you fifty percent off." So you keep just extending it and getting these, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very hard. So, did you get your money in the end? Well, the the, um, the redemption's in the mail. So you know, you wait a week, hope the letter gets yeah. there, and then you know we'll see what happens. But you had, but... You, you sorry, you had to send snail mail. So yeah, saying? yeah, get a stamp oh, out and all that, sign a letter. And... <laughs> but the, the thing is, to sign up, it's all digital. It's just like, yeah, of course, yeah, you know, to, yeah. to get the money back out. I'm just worried there's a recession coming. So I'm thinking, oh, risk adjusted. You know, probably shouldn't be rucking, mucking around with, you know, personal loans that are unsecured. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, oh, well, you know, hold on to that. Like, bonds are doing pretty good at the moment. So, you know, government mm. bonds. So why take that extra, you know, couple of percent risk, you know, for no security? So Absolutely no need to do that. What are you salty about this week? Uh, well, it's kind of related to last week. If you remember last week, I was uh, salty at the idiocy of people asking for um, or demanding um, super profits taxes for resource companies because they're making out like bandits. Um, you know, so this week that that's continued. But what, what's happened is a couple of politicians, namely Adam Band, has put up a graphic showing all the revenue that these large companies like Chevron and all these other have have generated and said, where are the taxes on these? They don't they haven't paid any tax. And of course you don't get taxed on revenue. I mean, this is just, this is just a rant about financial literacy. You know, this, this is the, this is the head of the third largest party in Australia yep. saying this and he's financially illiterate. And um, you know, the, the amount of people that then retweeted that and, and said the same thing is just ridiculous. And of course, even I think Chevron's actually said that next year in this country they're going to play they're going to pay an enormous amount of tax actually because you know all of that spend has happened. And just just the, the general illiteracy of look, yet one of the reasons is because they spend a heap of money on capex and then yeah. they get depreciate that away, um, a huge amount, hundreds of millions of dollars in expenses. Um, of course, of course that happens, you know, and then they, um, they reap 
the benefits of, of an upcycle, which they've been doing. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just around about financial illiteracy and how many people believe it. Um, yep. it's just, yeah, income tax isn't included in that as well. Like you know, show me an oil worker that's working for thirty five thousand dollars a year, you know, and paying yeah. zero tax. You know, oh, so much of that ends up in the government's pocket. Um, I don't know, just normal politics, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of politics of resentment in there, that's for sure. Um, and I think that's just because that's the climate, because people are feeling the pinch, you know, yeah. stuff's gone up, costs of everything's gone up. Um, and, of course, the easy thing to, is to do is to point at the people who make a lot of money and uh, and, and ask for more donations. Um, anyway, that's that's enough salt. Uh, so um, I just this, – this was from um, – John Hussman's letter, he puts one out a month. Um, so this one's, or this it's a few weeks old. This one, anyway. Um, but basically, what he's saying there is that uh, the then we're not even close to a pivot. Basically, uh, if you use this as a guide, which is to say that the Fed funds rate usually has to get above um, core PCE, which is their preferred measure, right? <clears throat> Um, and we're not even close. So it's sort of, I just wanted to throw that out there. You know, people get excited about a pivot. And then the the next chart following on with that is that it doesn't, just because they do pivot doesn't necessarily mean markets go up, right? This is what this chart is showing. Now, he's got sort of four lines there, mm-hmm. monetary easing, internals favorable. Now, his internals, it's a proprietary measurement that he has, but, you know, you it, it, it's just... Somebody, it, it's the market's propensity to to speculate in a broad based fashion. So, yeah. I, you know, it might be just the strength of uh, trading volumes, how many stocks are trading over options. their two hundred day moving average yeah. option. Yeah. So, whatever it is, that that's all it is really. And so, you can see there that actually the worst performing um, measurement here is when there's monetary easing and those internals are unfavorable. And that was exactly what you had in 2008, in 2001, two mm. um, markets just kept going down while the Fed cut interest rates. And maybe this time is different. I mean, this time is bound to be different, yep. but uh, yeah, it's, it's just not a given that when the Fed uh, turns around and remember this is, this is a, this is a pivot, which means they actually start to cut rates, right? When I think again, as we've said all along, um, what might you might you have you might get to say, let's say the Fed gets to four and a half or four point seven five or five and mm-hmm. stops. It doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go straight down, start cutting immediately. Yeah. They might just sit there for a while. I mean, look where the RBA is right now: two point eight five percent with inflation. They say is going to hit eight percent before the end of the year. Um, so it's not immediately apparent to me that they start um, cuts once they stop rising. You know, they could just sit at like if if the RBA goes another 20, 25 basis points and they're at three point one, they might just sit on three point one for three months or six months. Uh, who knows? Um, yeah. Yeah. So again, I think the conditioning of the market that pivot means risk on. This might be might be mistaken, but the problem for people like me is that uh, I might get left behind. Yeah, that's always the well. When the Fed Fed pivots, there's a reason for it to pivot. You know, obviously something's yeah. gone bad. 
seriously yeah. gone bad. Like it's not just yeah. they don't just pivot because of the fun of it, you know. Like uh, they're trying to save things. So um, just who wins in that situation? How bad is it compared to how much? But the Feds hiked a fair bit already. I, you know, they have got a fair bit of room now. So yeah, um, um, yeah, yeah. That's what everyone. That's the the current theme at the moment anyway you know <laughs> yeah that's it. but this is showing something different so hmm. he always hurts me yeah. hard this husband like when i read his stuff it just you know it's very very hard to invest yeah. after reading his stuff <laughs> yeah i mean well he's very empirical i mean people have lambasted him as being sort of a perma bear but i mean i mean in um october of 2008 he came out and said look it's time to buy because um, okay valuations had gotten you know really low they didn't stay there very long though but mm. um so he sort of turned cautious again um but yeah i mean he's his work's empirical and there's not much to argue with uh, people just sort of keep yelling you're a bear you're a bear as though that's an argument it's not really um yeah yeah he does make it tough for you to to invest <laughs> that's for sure um <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, I just thought this was interesting because actually you and I had talked offline. I'd, I'd been looking at James Hardy as maybe uh, something I could get interested in. Um, about a month ago, I think I was talking to this year offline. Um, so they, they in their previous quarter came out and said, you know, here's our guidance and things look good. Now, third quarter comes, and over the past 45 days, we've seen a significant change in the outlook of the housing market activity for the second half of our fiscal year. And in most of the geographies we participate, in North America, single-family new construction starts have slowed significantly, and market expectations for the remainder of our fiscal year have declined sharply. Um, so the outlook and guidance there was basically they cut their guidance range for the net income by about 10%. Stock fell about over two days, fell about 15%. So I, I bring this up just to say, you know, obviously interest rate rises have now flowed through to the building sector in the US because they're mostly exposed to the US. You know, it's yep. uh, um, <clears throat> obviously here in Australia as well. Um, and so I just thought that was an interesting sort of. Uh, the 10% guidance down isn't a huge, like he says, no, decline sharply. Like, you know, mm. is 10% sharp? Like, I, I would have thought, yeah, I don't, you can just, I don't know. I mean, because see, now, now you're, um, you're getting into this, you know, when, when times are good and you're in a bull market, people's uh, confidence about the future is usually, you know, over-exaggerated. And so they, they have confidence in forecasts that two years out, three years out. Yeah. And now what you're seeing is, of course, that the confidence in forecasts is shrinking. So now you – see, for me, I look at this and go, okay, they've been conservative, they're downgraded, but how long does this one last? Mm -hmm. Another quarter? And then they're downgrading again? You know, so that's why I think you see such an extreme reaction. The stock was down 14% in one day and then it fell another percent the next day. Um who knows? But yeah, I mean, it's 
I think that's that's the problem in this current environment. If you think you know what 2023 looks like, I think you're probably kidding yourself. You know, yeah. it's just very, very hard. I mean, Shane Oliver of AMP put out a, a note on Livewire Markets yesterday saying he thinks Australia will avoid a recession. And mm-hmm. Shane Oliver's a pretty good um, contrary indicator, I think. Um, you know, he might be right. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this is the problem. It's just I don't we've been talking about earnings and they need to come down. It's very hard to have confidence in earnings projections right now. And I think the way to go is, is down. That's the way they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose you can accuse me of cherry picking here. Um, but uh, here's another couple of Roku uh, has said that, um, and you know what Roku is, don't you? The streaming. Device, yeah. 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 Yep. So they say they're seeing a lot of big categories in their advertising pull back. Uh, the, the significance of that is that um, this is the time of year when the advertisers usually mm-hmm. ramp up uh, going into Christmas. So I just thought that was interesting. Cardlytics, um, never heard of it before, but I saw this. I got this from um, a couple of guys who do an earnings call um, podcast. They they just sort of troll through troll. They just sort of sift through comments from CEOs and CFOs on earnings calls and just pull out sort of what's important. Uh, so these guys are, I mean, this stock is down over 90%. So it, it's basically a sort of digital marketing company. And um, yeah, they've just, the, the analysts thought that they were growing, you know, six over, uh, they were going to grow over 10%. They actually declined 6%. The stock fell 53%. Oh. See, this is what gives me pause is something you just said before, which is that, like, it seems that there's overreaction now, you know, in, to these, mm-hmm. you know, if you disappoint, you're going to get absolutely smashed. Uh, that. So, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Advertising, obviously, that's a sort of bit of a bellwether. I did see a company, um, oh, another advertising company who who said that their their revenue was up 30%, called Trade Desk. Their revenue was up 30% um, quarter, uh, from, the, from the year before. So, and they're sort of like Cardlytics, if you like. They do the same sort of thing. So, yeah. So why aren't CEOs front running this a little bit and actually putting out guidance that's, you know, that they're going to beat, you know, sort of be conservatives, you know, yeah. why are they, why are they still holding off? You know, I, I guess they're just worried about the short term price. You know, if they're getting hammered this much, they don't want to say, oh, you know, we're going to be down 20%, you know, <laughs> what the whole thing's going to get wiped <laughs> off the books or something like, but if they keep, you know, they keep missing expectations, it's just going to keep, going down like surely that's not good for long-term holders yeah and it's just gives investors just lose confidence like Mm. i can't you know if i can't be confident uh the only thing i can be confident in is i don't know costco and procter and gamble you know and i that you know everybody and but those stocks funny thing is that those stocks are already sort of the people who wanted to you know sort of hide out in there have yes those stocks aren't cheap either relatively Look yeah. at Costco; it's insane. So, yeah, I think even Munger said he'd sell now if he didn't love it so much. You know, like, right? So <laughs> that gives you an idea of like how overpriced it is. So, um, yeah, 
But I just, yeah. you know, I think CEOs need to grow some balls here. You know, like, <laughs> like they're they're supposed to be running the company here. Like they're not supposed to be, you know, trying to keep up the short term, you know, yeah. share price. Yeah, they're that's supposed right. to be looking out not just two quarters. They're supposed to be looking out three to five years. Um, but Maybe, I think all the stock compensation, you know, all the yeah. stock compensation comes into it and. Conflict that, of interest. That's what I was about. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. That um, not only their stock compensation, but if you think about tech companies, that's how a lot of people are remunerated now when they sign up. You know, they, you know, yeah, you will sign you on for two hundred grand, and you know, like sixty percent of your comp is uh, in shares. You know? uh, which, by the way, does not do much for shareholders, does it? I mean, you're constantly <laughs> issuing capital, diluting shareholders. Um, Anyway, maybe this maybe this bear market will reverse that trend a bit. You know, yep. people want to get paid in cash. <laughs> um, moving on. Um, oh, so I thought I'd throw this in. So about I think it was about four weeks ago I bought up Pointerra, um, and you said why don't I buy it? And I did. And I went out and bought it. I bought it in. Um, so in, in anticipation of the third quarter, or their their first fis- fiscal quarter of 23 reporting. So I I bought some in anticipation that, that would be good. Now, they did have record, as you can see there, they had record cash receipts of $3.4 They were actually operating cash flow positive by 200000 But their ACV, which is annualized contracted value. <laughs> now, this is... This is one of those made-up terms. Now, I would, I want to know why. Why don't you just come out and say what your sales are? You know, because yeah. um, this, you know, annualized contract value, right? So they've their annualized contract value went up by one point eight million. It's now through twenty million. But you see the glaring sort of difference between cash receipts mm-hmm. and. Yeah. So, and they keep and they keep saying that that gap between those two will close over time. It's not really though. <laughs> um, so well, it did early yeah. twenty twenty. You can see here it was quite close, but yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's before. So that, that that's that's interesting because if you know what your annualized contract value is, you you know what your sales were for the quarter. Just tell us what your sales were. You yeah. know. Um, and the other thing I don't like is when companies start spruiking the following, like see, see down the bottom there, during the quarter, Pointera teamed up with a tier one US defense contractor on a multi-year contract value at a bi- circa a billion dollars, right? Now, if you know anything about US defense contracts, no one issues you a billion dollar contract. You get a little taste, you know, and that, that you know, here's some money, do this, okay, and it takes a long time. Plus they're, you know, they're teamed up with somebody else. So mm-hmm. who knows what their actual, you know, it's not direct. It's not like, oh, yes, we want a billion-dollar contract, even if they get the I, I just don't like that kind of spruiking. You don't, you know, um, it just, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like when people start well, talking. The midterms are on. Looks like the GOP is, you know, going to maybe hold both houses. And there's talk of defence spending maybe, you know, not going up. going up as much as what the Democrats were doing. So I don't know. Might be. Mm. 
headwind. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I see those kinds of things. I just, I think it's best ignored. You know, where's where's the runs on the board? So, uh, I just thought I'd bring this up because I sold it. I just sold it on the back of this. The, 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 the. It was a little bit underwhelming that what what they've been how they've been growing recently. Um, they only added another, if you use their metric, one point nine million in annualized contract value, which was only ten percent increase mm-hmm. over the previous, and they've been increasing at higher rates than that. And yeah, just I just thought I just don't I just don't like the feel of that. What the CEO is saying that this this gap between their annualized contract value, whatever the hell that is, and however they figure that out, and their cash receipts, I just don't don't yeah. like it. And by the way, the the broker that covers them cut their um, forecast for profit, their profit, bottom line profit this year by about twenty percent already. Wow. And they they cited this because of the timing of cash receipts and and mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So yeah, there's something there that I just don't like. Uh, and I think, I think actually when they get their second quarter in that broker will be doing the same thing. They'll be cutting, probably cutting their forecasts again. Yeah. Uh, well, you might be able to buy back qu- in then, you know, at lower well, this is the thing. everyone's I, thinking, everyone's thinking that at the moment, <laughs> like I'll buy back in later cheaper. Well, well, I mean, I don't dislike this company. I think mm. what they've, it's a high margin business, but um, it's just, I don't know. It needs to prove itself out a bit more now. Yep. Saying that, maybe next week they announce that they've got this billion dollar contract that goes to the moon. But I'm just, uh, yeah, I just pull. I don't, I don't need to have this kind of exposure. I don't think. Well, right you're not now. buying a dream. That's what I'm trying to learn. Not buying, mm. not buying dreams anymore. And I think the market's <laughs> slowly realizing that as well. They don't want to buy in dreams. They want to be buying cash flows. So, yeah, yeah, hopefully. And I think it's. I think that's. We still haven't got that through here in Australia about uh, a lot of these sort of small SaaS businesses that have these long, they're a long duration asset, yep. you know, this, which, which basically means, um, you know, they don't make any money for a long time and people are starting to say, yeah, we kind of need you to that, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you look at a lot of their share prices reflects that anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, keep you updated what I'm doing. Yep. Losing, uh, oh, actually, so I I bought that stock at twenty cents. I sold it for twenty and a half. So I got Ooh. out relatively unscathed, <laughs> a huge two and a half percent profit. Uh, take out the brokerage fees, uh, basically just swap some money out. Basically, yeah. Oh. <laughs> like you, didn't, like yeah, you did my... the mature thing there, and you know, probably in, in past you would have just held on. And um, I think it's the mature yeah. thing thinking I don't see it and. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's not terrible. The, the business is growing. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's just yeah, I don't need to be there. It's just too much risk for me at the moment. Uh, and you're right. I probably would have normally held um, on, uh, but yeah, this is probably one of the the shortest holding periods of any stock I've ever had. I think I'd probably I would be hard pressed to find another one. I think I held it for about three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, so you have you've just taking a look at Australia this week. It's a bit of a change for you. Uh, what are you looking at here? Smart yeah, well, US dollar is just you know so expensive, and um, yeah, we looked at UK. You know, that's on parity with Australia. You know, pretty much the same. But I thought, oh well, look closer to home. Mm-hmm. I like technology one. 
which is another one of these SaaS companies. Um, but it's got a price to free cash flow of about 60. So it's a little bit rich for me. Yeah. Um, and it still hasn't come down. So, you know, I'm trying to look elsewhere. What could I spend, you know, some AUD on? Um, yep. And I come across this one, Smart Group. And so basically they just tax, you know, government departments, which are going to be pretty resilient in a recession. Mm. Um, so they just outsource services like um, payroll services, but mainly salary packaging. So that's like fleet management, uh, salary sacrificing, all that stuff. Um, so there's a lot of room for government departments to outsource that to a professional instead of trying to do that all in-house. Um, mm -hmm. And so you've got multiple layers of government in Australia. <laughs> um, even some corporates may take this on. You know, if you're a medium-sized company, um, yep. you may think, oh, should we hire someone to do this, understand all this? It'd be a huge burden on the company. Um, so I think it has got room to grow. As you can see, the return on vested capital is starting to increase now in the yeah. low 20s um look at the price to free cash flow is insane you know it's under 10 yeah. so it's obviously extremely cheap um but as the share the share price got smacked around has it yeah like it's got <laughs> whacked a little bit um yep they had lost a government contract some education oh. department yep. so as soon as you start doing things like that, and you've got the CEO coming on saying, you hey, know, we're going to make it up the pipeline, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But, you know, I just like these asset light companies that I can see that they've got plenty of room for growth. Um, yep. You know, and it's not going to cost them much to add on another few government departments, you know? Yeah. Um, so um, the only problems is, is just there. Like, like all Australian companies, they just pay at such a high payout ratio. So yep. nothing gets reinvested in the business. So you've got like these 60 to, you know, 90% payout ratios. Uh, and so you look at this return on invested capital, return on equity, and, you know, not much is actually going back into the business, you know. And you think something like this, you know, you think they should be grabbing onto a few more areas of the market. and Yeah. I can't well, see. What are they doing if they're not, you know? Yeah, well, they're paying it out to shareholders, which is insane, um, I think. But, you know, that's what they do. And Australians, they seem to love that. Um, yep. Well, I, I don't know. Just one of those things. Um, I, I, I think it's going to go well. It's just, you know, a little bit more pain to come with interest rates. You know, some of these yep. things that are going on. So I think, yeah, one of these ones that I'm... Added to the watch list. Um, I don't know if you got any comments about it or you heard about it. No, I, I never, never heard of it. Um, it's this funny thing in Australia is we, we don't really have many decent technology businesses. It's just, I mean, <laughs> I mean you, when you compare them to the kinds of returns and the kind of cash flow generation of sort of American ones, you, it's this, it's slim pickings in Australia. You know, yeah. like WYSIWYG. WiseTech is one that people love at the moment, but it's got a PE of 90 or something like that. You know, it's absurd. Free cash flow multiples like 50 or something. You know, it's just crazy valuations. I think because we've got because we've got relatively few, they 
the ones that we do have that are any good are just, you know, priced ridiculously. Look at, at Zero. I mean, I understand the Zero oh. story, but I mean, I just can't get my head around how the valuation on that thing is so much built into it, you know. Um, yeah, and you've yeah. got to like zip pay and after pay. Everyone's, you know, being burnt yeah. on that sort of thing. So, well, <laughs> well, you know, after pay, to be honest, I mean, didn't they time it beautifully to get bought out? Because oh. I would think that their stock would be down 80%. If they were still listed, right? They yeah. just got bought out at the top of the cycle. Perfect timing. Oh, and everyone can say they were geniuses because they picked afterpay when, yeah, that'll all come undone. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, just, so this another one. It's sort of a little bit more conservative. Um, yep. So I this know one, this one. Yeah, this is like a mine lab. I don't know if you know what gold detecting is. And basically, they got these wands they put out of the ground, and you're not going to be spending um like hundreds or thousands of hours out doing this hobby or semi-professionally yeah. if you haven't got the best equipment because you, you miss something it's going to cost you hundreds of dollars so you're yeah. more likely to spend big um to make sure you're getting everything you can for your time you're spending um, yeah. but it's also got another communications arm that does radios and stuff for the military right. so you know I don't think that's going to get outsourced to China anytime soon <laughs> for obvious reasons. It's sort of like multi Motorola in the US, you know, like it's a pretty solid company because, you know, all the government contracts are sort of police and military are sort of linked together. Um, again, you can look at the price of free cash flows, pretty low, but you can see yep. it's got a five there in the past, you know, 2017 yeah. or something. So it could half from here. Um, but, you know, return on invested capital is still in the 20s, you know, mid-20s. Yeah. Return on equity is good. Yep. Yeah, so nothing to so really... must be decent allocators, these guys. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like free cash flow is halved, you know, yep. over like, you know, like a lot of things since the pandemic. Um, yep. And again, the payout ratio is just insane. So... They're not actually, even though that return of vested capital number is uh, high, they're not actually putting much back into the business. Um, so is, is this correlated then with the mining commodity cycle then, is it? I mean, if if, if you get, so you would expect that this, if, if we're going into a slowdown and commodities are coming off and all of that, then this could be in for a bit of pain. But at some point um, you get on the backside of that, whenever it is. Yeah. Yeah, the gold price. So, like, you're not going to get amateurs going out, you know, detecting for gold if the gold price just keeps going down. Yeah. You know, so, because it's harder and harder to find the price going down, you know, you're not likely to spend the hours on it. It's not going to be a fun hobby if you look. <laughs> but what is this metal? Is this not someone with a metal detector going along a beach? That kind of thing, is it? Or is yeah, it? Yeah. Is? Yeah, it is. But it is. That, it's more out in, you know, middle of nowhere. That's where you right. make. But, so, you know, typically um, mining companies take assays, you know, they drill cores into the... So that's not what we're talking about here, is it? Is no. it or not? No. But a lot of mining yeah. companies actually pay amateurs to find alluvial, like surface gold. Uh, and then that gives them an idea where it's come from the reefs and where they actually can mine from there. Right. So that's got it's yep. got a bit of a link to the actual proper mining industry, but it's more on the yep. low end. Like yep. you spend five grand and you know that's your investment and you can find enough gold to 
<laughs> keep you going, you know, like as a sort of a side hobby, you know, on the side. Yeah. But but it, obviously, obviously, they export these things all around the world because we're a world oh, okay. leader. It's sort of like yep. um, cochlear, you know, cochlear implants, you know. Yep. The only other product that we actually make in Australia that actually gets exported, like besides sticking holes in the ground. Um, <laughs> so this is sort of similar to that, but it's just hated at the moment. And you're right. It's going to get even like the hate is going yeah. to come on here super hard mm. as gold collapses even more. But at some point, this is going to be look so terrible. It's going to look be great. <laughs> so okay. So it's so you're saying if 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 the gold price gets to bid, then this these these guys will yeah. Okay. And you got the protection of the communications defense side of it to sort of yep. give you a little bit of margin of safety there, even though the place has yep. looked like it's burned into the ground. Um, so that's what I sort of yeah. like about it. Yep. Okay. Well, that's an interesting one. <clears throat> Good to see you looking in, in in our own backyard, but uh, slim pickings <laughs> as usual in Australia. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? Yeah. yeah. Um, is it, was that, was that all we had this week? Yep. Was that the last one? That's all we had. All right. Not bad. Um, we're getting these down pretty quick now. Um, yeah. So I bet you our viewers, all three of them, are excited that uh, they can listen to us for under 40 minutes now. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. All right. Well, um, that's the case. Uh, we'll sign off and uh, we will talk to you next time. We have been the Salty Investors.